What's up, everyone? We're here for post-game Locked on Bucks, and uh, this was not really a signature game for the Bucks this season. Uh, this was not an enjoyable game, I would say, if you're a Bucks fan. The Cavs really run them out of the gym. Uh, Milwaukee hadn't played for three days. We weren't sure how they were going to come out and play, but uh, it wasn't good. The Cavs looked great, but there is plenty to break down, so let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. You can see and hear me on this show daily and also find my work at ESPN. And joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, who sent me a message uh, a few minutes ago and said, uh, let me know when you want to get this over with. And I thought, you know, I took that a little bit personally, actually, because I was like, listen, win or lose, this is a fun time when I get to hang out with you, Frank, but maybe the maybe the feeling's not mutual. But I will say, just after that, I saw a tweet from Giannis that said, we sucked, we played bad, they made shots, they played good, they played better than us. And then I said, do we even need to podcast today or can we just leave it at that one Giannis quote? Yeah, you know, we were talking the other night about like, like, oh, the Bucks are going to be well rested. And and is that a good thing? Like right. three days off? Like, I feel like that's normally kind of recipe for the Bucks coming out looking rusty. And um, ironically, they started great with in terms of shooting. And um six out of seven to start the game from three and then they finished the game three for 25 from three whereas uh, the Cavs made just one of five and it was kind of funny i mean they were making all these threes but they weren't they were not up by much in the early going of the first quarter they they do go up by nine at the end of the first quarter so you feel like okay that, that's pretty good but i mean they were making a bunch of threes and it kind of felt like hmm, you know especially with the lack of size um you know Giannis had kind of a slow start but uh, it was like, like, you know, we talk about, we talk about like three point uh, regression and usually it's in the context of like the Bucks giving up a ton of threes and then hopefully, you know, it kind of comes back. In this case, they were the ones that started fast. And then by the end, it was like, hey, where's, where's that, that, that mean regression coming uh, for the Bucks? And I, I think it's interesting though, because I mean, the Cavs end up hitting 10 more threes plus 30, right? Nominally in terms of three point game. And the points in the paint, the Bucks actually won the points in the paint, 46 to 32. The battle of the boards, both teams were pretty close in terms of the defensive rebound rate. So it's kind of like it was interesting because it kind of felt like, oh, okay, it's, this is mainly about the three-point shooting difference and then the turnovers. I mean, Bucks had 19 turnovers, 31 points off those turnovers versus just 13 for the Cavs, 12 points off turnovers. So it felt like that was sort of the story of the game. Bucks just sort of were like sloppy and then just completely stopped making shots. But I thought, you know, in spite of some of the numbers, say, as far as the rebounding and, and some of the interior scoring, I felt like you just really felt the Cavs' size tonight. And it just felt like the Bucks were just constantly, I mean, they tried different things. They eventually were switching stuff. Um, it just felt like the Cavs had size advantages repeatedly over and over. And again, it took a little while for Mobley and Jared Allen. You know, they, they neither of the guys had like huge games. 
Um, but it just felt like the Bucks. this was a game where it felt like missing Brooke Lopez was really apparent defensively in spite of the three-point shooting, which obviously like Brooke can't single-handedly stop. But um, but I think that's why, you know, when you talk about like matchups and kind of how the Bucks size up, um, th- that's why I think, you know, even if even the three-point shooting is, is closer, that's why I would have some concerns about the Bucks and, and the Cavs in a kind of a 1v1 matchup. Um, because again, this is a, they're a good team. And I think we saw that tonight again, Chetty Osman is not going to hit six threes and score 22 points most nights, but Kevin Love's been playing great and he was really good again tonight. He was constantly having mismatches against smaller guys. And, uh, again, I mean, this is why the Cavs are now ahead of the Bucks in the standings, right? I mean, we thought this team was going to fade and the Bucks were going to catch up and, you know, right now that that's, that hasn't happened. The size is interesting because they are so unique and it's worth noting, obviously, that they didn't have uh, Larry Markkinen tonight either, who is another big guy. So they slot in Dean Wade, who in my head is always a guard until I see him out on the floor and then I realize he's actually a big dude. But they, you mentioned the three-point differential and I think anytime you have 10 fewer threes and it's 45% up against 28%, you are going to struggle. But it sounds like you just think in general the, the size discrepancy in this matchup it would be a concern moving forward. So I, I guess the question is, do you think that the Bucks have a, a size problem across the board, uh, across a number of matchups, or it's kind of specific to the Cavs because they are so unique? I mean, I, I think we talked about it like a week ago or, or whenever it was, right? Like, I think the Bucks have a lacking Brooke Lopez problem. <laughs> um, yes. You know, uh, so it's not just purely like a just get a big guy problem um you know i mean i think again anytime the bucks lose people are going to talk about like you know boogie Cudsons as though he's kind of like the savior i mean i don't, I don't think boogie was going to be the answer to the bucks three-point defense problems tonight um but uh you know just the fact that they're scoring depth they've had a lot of nights um where they get basically nothing from the bench tonight was another night you know dante um had a pretty uneven game four out of 11 nine points that was basically it from the bench uh, Jordan Wara had four points on five shots and semi Ojale had a dunk with 10 seconds left. That was uncontested. That was, that was your bench contributions. George Hill didn't score a point after his, uh, really, you know, improved play over the weekend. Um, he didn't score a point in 23 minutes. Rodney Hood had a token appearance. Um, you know, obviously they were missing Wes Matthews uh, and Pat Connaughton started, scored 11 points on seven shots. Um, so, I mean, I think they have, I think they do have a, just a general size problem that is mostly a defensive problem. You know, I, I don't think they need Brooke Lopez or Boogie Cousins or any specific big guy to score points. That that there's no excuse for not scoring points. I think. Um, I think it's more about sort of just again the defensive um, the defensive end and and I think especially it felt like I, I'd be curious to see kind of the the stats like you know, throughout the game, like after three quarters, like where some of the rebounding, some of those things were. Cause like Giannis, for instance, Giannis had three rebounds and three assists in his first six minutes. He didn't have another assist the entire game, mainly because the Bucks couldn't make a jump shot. And so him kicking out led to nothing. Um, but he also didn't have a rebound for two full quarters of play. And part of that was the, the Cavs just didn't miss shots. Um, but again, I think it just, you just felt it, the Cavs size, there were a lot of long rebounds, which again, like, you know, maybe just being bigger doesn't necessarily help you with like just these kind of long rebounds off, off long misses. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think again, just the lack of size, I think does hurt a bit. And I think when you're in shooting slumps as well, 
you know, one thing the Bucks have been able to do in past years is when they shoot poorly, they they can still they can still win games because you know, starting with Giannis, they have obviously that interior presence. And um, you know, again, not that Brooke was, you know, popping up to score 20 points with any regularity. Um, you know, Bobby Portis had a had a very nice statistical night tonight, 22 points on 15 shots. So I mean, you, you got I think what you would hope for from from especially Bobby and and to an extent Chris Middleton as well, 21 points on 15 shots. But other than that, you know. Giannis kind of did his Giannis thing, got to the line 12 times in the second half, 26 on 13 shots. It's pretty good efficiency, but seven turnovers. And again, I just think on both ends, um, you know, there were just, I think, times where when the, when the Cavs weren't just burying three-pointers, you know, they made some big plays inside. You know, Giannis got dunked on by, by Evan Mobley at one point. Um, it, it just felt like at times, like, you know, the, the, the Cavs were able to get mismatches and um, when that happened inside, you know, Mobley and Allen were able to take advantage, even if they didn't have big games. So I, you know, again, I, I think, um, I think they do need some size from somewhere. And again, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a center, but just like somebody who's like, you know, if they had somebody who was like six nine, two forty, you know, like another power for <laughs> another power forward that had some strength and could help, um, you know, just bring a little bit more physicality. I think that that would help in a matchup like this. Um, and again, I, you know, we, we saw last year, obviously they were able to kind of go small late in games to good effect at times, but you know, again, PJ Tucker played bigger than his size. Um, you know, Wes Matthews is the closest thing you'd kind of have to that, but Wes, you know, again, sizes down better than, than PJ, but I don't think he sizes up as well as PJ. Um, and the big thing is obviously, you know, you're not playing Brooke Lopez, um, 25, 30 minutes a game. And obviously that just makes you much smaller. And just gives you, you know, it just takes away a lot of, I think, their, you know, the identity that they had last year, especially in the playoffs. I mean, they missed, they, they shot horribly throughout the playoffs, but the physicality, the size on both ends was something that they could really bring to bear. And I think this year it's still a bit of a struggle kind of figuring out, like, well, when you don't have that physicality, how do you, you know, what is your identity as a team? And I think defensively it's much harder, most notably. Um, but I think even offensively, you know, like on nights like tonight where you had three guys contributing and pretty much nobody else. Um, the fact that you can't really rely on kind of crashing the boards and, and kind of getting back into it that way, you know, that's just kind of one less thing that you can rely on. All right. Let's talk about bet online. Our sponsors of the podcast, uh, they are wishing you a happy new betting year as we continue the march towards the playoffs and beyond bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. There's a, it is a new year, and there's a new updated desktop and mobile website uh, that you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started there. Whether it's football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. I do have to mention our NBA trade deadline show, which is going to be coming up. Keep an eye on that across the Locked On Podcast Network. You'll be getting live reactions and analysis of trades that go down February 10th. So it's right around the corner here. And I didn't mention it off the top, but we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day, even after disappointing losses like this. We really appreciate it. I guess... and. I don't know whether now's the time to get into trade stuff. I know we've had a bunch of people asking us about potential trade options, buyout options. I know we're going to get into it over the next couple of weeks. But when you were talking about the Bucks being a physical team 
And it's kind of interesting because I do think that if you think about the Bucks in general and you look at Giannis and you say, okay, one of the most unstoppable players in transition, you think to yourself, well, the Bucks, and you hear it all the time with announcers and most of the time it's national announcers um, that perhaps aren't watching every single Bucks game, but they'll say, well, if the pace is up, this is going to suit the Bucks. This is what the Bucks want to do. And to an extent, I, I get it because if Giannis is in open space, he's, he is going to be unstoppable. They like to shoot the threes. But Cleveland's similar to Charlotte. And again, I compared them to, to Charlotte yesterday. But similar to Charlotte, they're young. And I thought that the pace got so frenetic today that the Bucks were just completely out of whack. And you had someone like Darius Garland who half the time looked like he could barely move. And then two seconds later, he's cooking Drew Holiday on the perimeter. They were pushing the ball. They were getting uh, wide open looks, particularly in, in transition. I, I don't know whether that pace... That concerns me, Frank, when I'm watching a younger team that's super athletic in addition to the size that you already mentioned. I didn't think that that suited the Bucs. And I thought that at times, particularly in the second quarter where the game, where the Bucs really lost control of the game in the second quarter where the Cavs took over, I, I thought the Bucs needed to try and settle it down a little bit and slow it down because I didn't think the, the up and down pace of the game was suiting them. Yeah, I mean, so cleaning the glass has a, a metric, um, like basically like a points added um through transition uh because i mean that's one thing too right i mean like a lot of like playing in transition is just getting more shots quickly yeah um and and even if you're not super efficient in transition relative to other teams transition just tends to be much more efficient because you're getting layups open threes things like that right so you get more of those even if you're not you know uh the highest efficiency just getting a lot can can help you um last so so i mean for context the last Three years under Bud, Bucks were third, eleventh, and eighth in in that category. Kind of those like points added by um, uh, transition points added per hundred possessions. Um, this year they're twenty fifth, um, and and basically again, always like roughly around like you know three ish points per one hundred. They added through transition above kind of what you'd normally expect. This year they're at one point seven, and obviously by the fact they're twenty fifth, that's that's bad versus. Um, defensively this year um they're still very good they were third last year they're fourth this year um and it's actually 1.7 so basically pretty much exactly the same so so essentially all of their good transition defense this year has been offset by their bad transition uh offense um but yeah i mean and it's kind of hard to say right i mean it's like on a night like this where um you know you're not getting a lot of second chances and you're just missing tons and tons of three-point shots you know one shot empty possessions when teams are running off that and perhaps most, most notably, I mean, when you have a ton of turnovers, um, yeah, I mean, a fast pace is not going to help you, right? If, if you're giving, if you're turning the ball over a lot more than your opponent, if you're missing a lot more than your opponent, a fast pace is going to be bad because the opponent's going to be getting the ball and able to run in, in better scenarios than you are. Um, I was surprised to be honest that, I mean, the fast break points can, can somewhat be a little deceiving because of the way they measure it, but um, only five fast break points for the Cavs tonight, which just doesn't seem possible. But, um, but again, I think, you know, I think what it felt like, especially in the second half, um, you know, again, the Bucks, uh, in part because of just the way they're constructed right now, um, you know, if it's not Giannis attacking the rim, um, Drew Holiday was super quiet today. Normally, Drew is a guy that can, you know, work his way to the basket for, uh, for you know, points, points closer to the rim. Tonight, he didn't have any success doing that. I mean, he got completely outplayed by Darius Garland, you know, a guy he's competing for all-star candidacy for with. Um, 
and I thought, you know, again, like, uh, you know, just, they just sort of were like, all right, we're just going to keep hucking threes. And, and obviously, you know, three out of 25, right. After that fast start, that was just not the answer. And, and certainly the offense in the last three quarters, I mean, 35 in the first quarter and then 22, 20 and 22, I mean, just bad, bad offense. And the defense obviously didn't perform a whole lot better, um, especially with just the three point shooting. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, I think, you know, the Bucks can play fast when, again, like it sort of suits Giannis. Um, I think that's, that's when, you know, transition can suit them well. They're still a good defensive team, but certainly the numbers suggest that they just have not been as effective offensively this year. And I think it's an interesting question why, right? Because, I mean, Brooke Lopez being hurt shouldn't hurt your ability to be good in transition, right? I mean, Bobby Portis runs the floor hard. Um, I think I'd probably have to dig into numbers a little more just to see, like, why the transition offense is worse because you would certainly think that playing smaller um, would, would help you in that regard. Yeah. And maybe it's just shooting poorly on threes on those possessions this year. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you talk about taking early shots and maybe, maybe that's the better way to put it. It just felt like it was a little bit out of control um, tonight uh, when that, when that pace got up, by the way, Giannis kind of got dunked on tonight, which is unfortunate, but Bobby Portis, had a pretty good dunk down the other end. I, I just don't understand why we can't just let these guys, you know, say something after a big dunk, Frank. Why are we dishing out the text? I saw someone tweeted that Bobby Portis said, and one MFR. And you know what? We're all adults. It's fine. <laughs> You're allowed to say that. It's not like so the thing that was so comical about this technical foul to me was the fact that the, the ref called it. And then he started, and he like, started running at him, running at him. I'm like, dude, he's walking away from you. Like, what do you think is about to happen? Like, I, I just, it was just such a ref show. I'm sick of it. What these guys, it was a cool dunk. He's allowed to say and one MFR, in my opinion. Well, I mean, if you're the ref and you think the guy's, he's calling you a mother effort, then, you know, you get what you pay for. Plus the Bucks were, the game was starting to get away from the Bucks a little bit at that point. And so I think it was sort of a frustration play from Bobby um and you know unfortunately kind of was what it was but he's written yeah, up a few I mean, texts uh at the in recent times <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because it's like it's funny how often uh, and I think one of them at least they they realized that, who was that with who was it that he kind of was drawing with but that it was like friendly <laughs> and and the two guys was it like Kelly Uber yeah, a Hornets uh, game or something I don't know but you know they were like they both then like went to the ref and like hey we're just we're just having fun and I think they they then didn't call attack but yeah Bobby's just kind of funny like that he's either like in your face like really jawing or slapping guys on the ass and saying good job for you know finishing on me or whatever so it, he's, he's he's he you know we always talk about Giannis being difficult to officiate Bobby can be a little difficult to officiate because his intensity is uh, sometimes manifests itself in in ways where you think it's going to be you know like he's trying to get into it with a guy and he's actually just sort of having some, some good nature back and forth. But yeah, I don't know if that was really the case with that, with that, with that dunk on Jetty Osmond. wasn't like he was, you know, saying like, Hey Jetty, you're my boy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, th th I think that was just sort of indicative of sort of how the game was, was trending at that point. What does the slap on the ass allow you to get away with and and i asked that because he had a pretty hard foul on evan mobley early in this game 
And I was like, okay, that was a pretty, you know, I mean, it was an intentional foul. He, he swung the arm relatively hard. And then obviously Evan Mobley's the rookie. He's not really going to do anything about it when he turns around and sees Bobby Porter staring at him, which he was. But then Bobby Portis gave him a slap on the ass, and I was like, "Yeah, I can, I can do whatever I want to you, but if I give you a slap on the ass, it's all okay." Does does that does that allow you to? Maybe I, I'm not suggesting Grayson Allen should have given Caruso a slap on the ass. I don't think that that would have helped his cause, <laughs> but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I, well, I mean, hey, maybe it works on a basketball floor. I I would not encourage people to try it in, in not in an office setting if, yes. uh, if you're trying to defuse something, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have, I have, I have no other, I have no other thoughts on, on Bobby's uh, friendly jawing and what, what he can and can't get away with. Okay, Eric name dropped the story this morning. Our friend over at the Athletic, which is the trade deadline. Again, we'll get into this. I'm sure there'll be rumors. There will be reports in the leading up in the lead up to the trade deadline. Uh, is there any veteran player out on the market? Given the conversation we had earlier in this podcast that you have your eyes on. So some of the guys that Eric mentioned, obviously Robin Lopez, we may have mentioned him once or twice across this podcast uh, in in recent months. Uh, Thad Young was another guy that was there. Uh, is, there anyone, is there anyone out there that you think is the perfect fit given what we saw tonight and potentially, we don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know whether this team can go through without some sort of Brook Lopez insurance. It, it feels like that would be potentially a mistake i'm not sure yeah i mean the thing that i've found interesting is like they haven't even like tried to go like the 10-day route on anybody yeah um for for big guy minutes and i mean i kind of get like the idea that like well, i mean just throwing any 6 10 6 11 guy like you know like it's not like any 6 10 11 guy off the street is gonna um is gonna help you um but yeah i mean obviously um uh, you know, I mean, it's it's fair to second guess the the you know the the boogie decision just as far as what it's meant on the floor. Um, again, if Bud wanted boogie, I think Bud would have boogie still on this team. Um, reading that, what you will. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's a little interesting that they haven't even tried to do anything because I mean, like I I don't. I mean, <laughs> they need another big guy. Like having Pat Connaughton try to defend you know, fours and fives as part of the second unit every night. I mean, that just doesn't work, you know? And I mean, tonight, like Kevin Love was constantly being guarded by smaller guys. And again, it's not like Kevin Love was just, you know, putting little guys under the rim or something like that. Right. I mean, he was, he was pretty much just all, it was pretty much all jump shots for him. Um, but, uh, you know, even so he didn't have a hard time shooting over guys either. And, um, you know, I, I think we're kind of, again, kind of seeing it. Like, it's just, it's just kind of harder to figure out like, Kind of what the thesis on this team is like you know how are they going to be an elite team come the playoffs i mean again if it doesn't involve brooke lopez i don't think they are going to be an elite team in the playoffs i think it's just too much to overcome it's my two cents um it doesn't mean you can't win a playoff series and i don't know could you win two playoff series? maybe um but i think you know if getting back to, to your question as far as like you know who else is out there um, I mean, there, there was the article like maybe a week ago about Marcus Saul still being, I think, leaving the door open for a potential return to the NBA. And, you know, it's interesting looking at his numbers with the Lakers last year. I mean, he wasn't, it's not like he was like washed with the Lakers. I think, you know, I think history showed that the, uh, the way that they sort of kicked him to the curb in favor of Andre Drummond was, uh, not, not really something that, that ultimately <laughs> was very well thought through. And, 
maybe foreshadowing. angry, I think. You yeah, are. perhaps foreshadowing for um, you know uh, the Lakers' decision making over the past year more generally. Um, so that's an interesting one. And again, Mark is you know in his the latter half of his 30s as well. Um, he is not a, a you know a, a savior. He is not just you know going to give you exactly what Brook Lopez gave you. Um, <laughs> if he was uh, you know available right now to come over i would say mark get your ass over here and you know i would again not having seen mark play basketball here he, he was he's been playing in spain i believe um so it's not like he's like just been hanging out on the couch um but again he's also such a smart guy you know i mean marcus all could kind of roll out of bed and probably give you decent you know 10 decent minutes and not really hurt you um and he's so cerebral on both ends as well which i think is important so uh, so yeah, I mean, just as far as like somebody that, you know, is just available and that you wouldn't have to trade for, cause I think that's the hard part is, you know, and Eric put out his sort of trade, um, kind of trade preview. I, I, I mean, again, so much of this comes down to Brooke Lopez's health, right? Like it, again, he, we, we see him in these all access videos. It was again this week, he was wearing shoes this time. I think he won his free throw contest in the little group that he was in, um, so he's doing some stuff on a basketball court. Uh, but, you know, if he's back in a month, you know, I mean, is that why the Bucks are not, you know, more interested in in kind of trying to to find some help um, at the center spot? I hope so. I, I would love it if, if the reason they're not looking for help is because Brooke Lopez is going to be back in the in the not so distant future. But again, anytime you have a back problem, it's, it's just hard to make any assumptions, right? I mean, they, they thought he was going to come back much earlier this season and then he ended up needing surgery. So, um, so, but, but I think if they think they're going to get Brooke back, um, I just don't see them like cashing in, like, you know, Dante who's basically the only real trade ship they have. I don't really see them cashing in kind of their depth. Um, what little, you know, depth they might have there in the backcourt beyond the usual guys. Um, in order to get another center who, I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago. I mean, Robin Lopez didn't play past, I think the magic series um, in the year that, that he was with the Bucks. I mean, he was benched Ursan, neither Rolo nor Ursan played at all. I think against the heat that year. And, you know, it makes sense. We saw it last year. They won a championship by playing just Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Giannis. And, you know, if you want to call PJ Tucker, the fourth big there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's just like, are you going to use the assets you have to get a big who maybe isn't even like <laughs> going to play if Brooke comes back? I, I just, it doesn't really seem like the move, but by the same token, the fact that they're not trying to sign anybody off the street, you know, suggests, hey, maybe they are at least keeping an eye open on that or keeping their options open so long as, you know, the Brooke situation remains unresolved, right? I mean, we've, we've seen, you know, I think I know we had a question um in the in on Twitter about like oh you know would you would you look at like Mobamba and again it's just kind of like I mean all right you trade for Mobamba well if Brooke comes back then does Mobamba play <laughs> like at all you know I mean he last time we saw him he was getting like thrown around by a, like a rag doll by Joel Embiid you know it's not like he's just like the pure answer he's a really interesting long term prospect um, but I, I don't know that he's, you know, kind of the magic answer there. And you still have Brooke Lopez owed 13 million bucks next year. So, you know, if you're getting a guy who you have to then sign to a contract, then, you know, are you suddenly going to spend a lot of your precious luxury tax dollars on, you know, two centers, only one of which you maybe really need? Again, I, I just probably don't see that. And I think, 
I think the other thing too with Dante is, I mean, they have two point guards and if Drew or George Hill gets hurt and we've seen how hard it is to kind of paper over the lack of ball handlers and Dante is not a point guard, obviously, but you know, if you're going to have another guy other than Chris and Giannis, like just bring the ball up and just be able to kind of like be that again, that connector kind of at least pass the ball (laughs) a little bit. Dante can at least provide you some depth there. So I don't know. I, again, I, I don't see a, I just don't really see a, a big trade coming. Um, I, I think they're probably going to more or less stick with mostly what they have. And then I think, again, uh, I, I mean, John Horst has always made some moves around the deadline. Um, so there, I think there's something missing, but I, again, I just don't know that there's a real obvious play here. And, and again, especially with buyouts, like if Thad Young's a potential buyout guy, um, you know, if Rolo is a potential buyout guy, you know, that's another reason not to go off and, and try to use, you know, trade assets to, to try to make an addition. But I don't know. I mean, what, what, what's your expectation? Do you, do you foresee like activity around the deadline? Do you think it's to be quiet? What, what do you think is the tack they're taking? Well, I tend to agree with you that the Bucks don't really have too many chips that can move into the table, but I must admit, I didn't think that they had the adequate suppliers to trade for PJ Tucker last year anyway. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that was a shocking trade for me at the time. As you sort of pointed to, I mean, John Horst has not been shy. I feel like he's going to do something. Like, I would be surprised if basically the 14 guys that they're basically playing, whatever, uh, are the only guys on the roster come come the playoffs. Again, I think that if there was concern about Brook Lopez, as you pointed to, then maybe they would go for a guy like Robin. If the Magic were going to buy out Robin Lopez, though, because I was always looking at that as a potential trade, and I understand your point. If you think he's going to be a backup big man, then you're probably not trading for him. But wouldn't that have to be just uh, just John Hammond doing a favor for the Bucks? Yeah, we're going to buy out Robin Lopez. You can you can have him. Robin would say, yeah, I'm going to sign with the Bucks and then come back. I feel like it was Johnny Hammond would have to be just doing the Bucks a favor there. Similar with Pop with the Thad Young. I mean, I guess the question is, um, I mean, Robin doesn't make nearly as much money. Thad Young is just hard to trade for because of the salary he makes. I think he's like yeah. around 14 million bucks. So it's just like, all right, he basically hasn't played this year. You know, is a contender going to be able to go and match salary? And it's obviously it would likely presumably be expiring salary. Um, and then throw in what? You know, like I, I, I could... I mean, I think Thad Young is worth a certainly like at least a probably second round pick. I don't think a first round pick at this point, given his age. But, um, but again, like, is is a deal actually going to get done there? You know, are you going to send cobble together a bunch of money? Do you have a bunch of money laying around that you can make a trade like that? Um, and you know, I, I don't know. Um, and then I think with Rolo, um, I mean, it's a fair question. Like, <laughs> is he just doing doing him a solid? But um, you know, let's be honest. The, the reason they signed him was to be kind of like a culture-setting veteran type of guy. I think he knew, you know, they had Wendell Carter and and Mobamba, like that. There was a chance he's not going to be part of, you know, the every night rotation, and they want to get those guys minutes. So, um, so you could say, well, yeah, it's just sort of doing the Bucks a solid if if he were to be bought out and come to Milwaukee. But I think it's also like, you know. It's kind of funny, like Rolo doesn't strike me as a guy who I, I feel like Rolo would just be fine like hanging out in Orlando. That's what I was gonna ask. Do you think World. he cares? Like, like do you think I don't he cares? I don't think I don't think Rolo cares that much about like I don't Rolo <laughs> I don't Rolo, Rolo does not care. Does no, I mean he just doesn't strike me as a guy who's like chasing a ring, right? 
Um, but I think the Bucks are kind of unique because, you know, obviously he is well liked here. Um, and, uh, you know, they brought West Math. They brought they brought West back. They got brought George back. I mean, it's very similar to the team that he was on two years ago. You know, his his buddies from his wrestling routines. Um, so I could certainly see um, you know see it as as a nice fit that um, that might be appealing to him. Um, and of course, I mean, like you know, at the end of the day, like you know, if, especially if, if if it's done because Brooke is done for the year or like a huge question mark or only going to be able to play limited minutes, you know, I mean, I'm sure the idea of being able to just come in and play most nights for a team that has title ambitions, like it's gotta be at least somewhat appealing, even if, you know, there isn't a Disney theme park um, in the state of Wisconsin. So, um, so I think that would be appealing, but, but again, I mean, it's the same question, right? Like, well, you know, is there a team that is, is going to throw a matching salary and a second round pick at the magic for Robin Lopez? It's possible, you know, I don't know who that is. Um, again, I would say like, you know, unless, unless Brooke Lopez is just like done and there's no other way to get, you know, like, and Marcus isn't walking through that door, or there's no other options. Um, I would be loath to, you know, send kind of, you know, assets to, um, to the magic in order to, to get Robin. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the hard part about prognosticating with some of these guys that are like, useful players, but may just be buyouts. Right. I mean, um, you know, I mean, Marvin Williams is probably not that dissimilar from, uh, from Thad. I, th- I, th- cause Marvin, I think also had like a pretty, pretty decent sized contract when he got bought out by the, uh, Hornets, um, you know, a couple years back. Um, but it was sort of to do him a solid because the Hornets were, you know, weren't really in the playoff race or whatever. So, um, so yeah, obviously the magic are nowhere near a playoff race. So, you know, who knows? There may have been an understanding with him as well that, you know, if uh, he did his Robin Lopez thing for two thirds of the season, then, you know, they would do him a solid and um, and let him go go sign with, with a team that, that had a better chance to do something in the playoffs. Marvin Williams. I wonder what he's up to. I wonder what he's up to. We have not heard from him since he surprised us all by going into retirement. I hope you are. Ursan's available. We know Ursan's available. Yeah, Ursan's. I don't think I don't think Ursan's the, the answer to the to the Bucks challenges right now either. But um, he is at least six feet ten inches tall, so that's that's at least something. What happens if Robin Lopez says I'm only signing if you bring back Ursan so we can have the full band back together? <laughs> it's remarkable how similar that roster would be if they did that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny, and I think it. You know, um, I think it was a week ago. Willie Colley Stein got released when um, when the the Mavericks cut him and, and signed Marquise Chris to to, an, to a full year contract. Um, it's kind of funny because it's like I mean, I think somebody asked me about him. I, uh, I let's just say culturally, I don't think Willie is really a Bucks type of player. The other thing too is it's like, I mean, the Bucks just like haven't brought in guys that can't shoot really like during the butt era um, as far as like non-centers or sorry, as, as far as like centers that, you know, might have to play around Giannis. Like, I mean, even Rolo and, and John Henson who, you know, were there the first that, that uh, a couple of years back, I mean, you know, Henson there in the first year, but I mean, he was shooting threes. He actually shot it pretty well before he was traded. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of one of those things. Like, again, I'm not a Willie Colley Stein fan, but, um, but that's the kind of guy where it's like, you know, if, if you offered him a 10 day deal, just to, just to get a look at him, right. Like I would think Willie Colley Stein would take a 10 day deal at this point. Um, 
and again, like, you know, worst case scenario, he's not a good fit, but um, he's at least a guy who's somewhat big and can bring some physicality and potentially like at least give you a little bit more, um, you know, defense from the center position. So I don't know, but it's just, you know, I think on nights like this where, you know, Drew, when, when the big three are not all very good, um, you know, the, the, the bench has obviously had, had issues, especially with some of the, the depth challenges, some of the injury stuff. So, um, yeah, not a lot of margin for error um, when, when they're not shooting well. Willie Coley sign? I think he would. I think he Willie. would. <laughs> I think he Trilly, would. Didn't he, did, did he legally change his name to like Trilly Coley Stein or something like that? Didn't he do something weird like that? Or he made that his middle name? Like Trilly, Trilly his middle name or something like that? I don't know. I don't weird. know. I don't know. That's, that's kind of strange. I might be off him. All right. Make sure you check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They'll have you covered with all the info you need there if you're into that type of thing. But let's wrap it up. Who would have thought? 36 minutes and counting on a podcast where there wasn't really that much to talk about. Like Giannis said, the Bucks suck tonight. Uh, hopefully they won't suck. They suck. They got their asses beat. Yeah. They did. They're 30 and 20 on the season. They're fifth in the conference now, which is troubling. If you Barely were... hanging on over the over the, the, war, the uh, Sixers who've been playing much better lately. The good news is, well, it's good and bad news. Uh, their next game is on national TV against the Knicks. That's good because the Bucks tip, uh, most of the time play well. Unfortunately, they're playing the Knicks, who are a very average team, which means the Bucks typically play average. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with this game. That's on Friday when, night. When was it? Was when was? Remember that Friday night game they had against the Knicks at home that they like had a huge lead and then they got the doors blown off in the second half. Was that last year? That wasn't this year. <laughs> Was it? I can't even remember. I, I know they lost a game to the Knicks this year, right? And I can't even remember when it when it was this game that I'm thinking of. Can you can you recall this game I'm thinking of? It was like a little. I think it was a Friday night game, and they had a big early lead, and then they just kind of keeled over the rest of the game and and lost. I don't. I, I, this is bad bad radio that I can't remember. Uh, I think when it was. This was. Season. I think it was. This it was. Season. Yeah. Sounds Man, like that was, that was so long ago. Sounds like this season's type of behavior. Anyway, Camille will be back on the podcast tomorrow. She's always good to uh, to chat to, as you guys know. Frank, we're going to get Camille on a post-game pod, by the way. Uh, we'll tee that up with uh, with the three of us at some point uh, moving forward here. But we will leave it there for now. A She's a good luck chart. Remember, remember last time we did it? It was, it was for that Laker game. Remember those those good times when Giannis annihilated Anthony Davis? That was That's nice. why you got to be careful. You want to break the streak. You want to keep the streak alive with Camille. But anyway... I'm wrapping it up, Frank. For Frank, myself, that'll do us for today. I'll catch you tomorrow with Camille. And let us know in the comments what player you want, whether it's buyout or trade. And we'll discuss as the trade deadline gets near. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.